And the acknowledgement of our weakness is what allows the strength of Almighty God to uh, work through us and do in us and through us what we could not do in and for ourselves. And thank God for it. It's good to see you back on this Sunday night. Hey, I have already been blessed by the service. I've enjoyed your congregational singing. I enjoyed the choir singing. Thankful for the special music. Don't you like hearing the Henrys sing? That was just beautiful. I appreciate their song. And um, Samuel, I like him most days, and so I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed that song as well. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, so if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8. And while you are turning, Miss Brittany, I'm going to give you, and uh, Seth, I'm going to give you guys a head start to come up here. All those kiddos up through, four years old, up to third grade, by your leave, mom and dad, they can be dismissed out this way. They'll be in the fellowship hall for their kids' club time. <laughs> uh, yes. And Mr. Andrew is going to bring up the back part of it there. All right. There will be an ID check at the door to make sure nobody tries to sneak out. In case you're thinking that service looks more fun. You may be right, but that's no excuse, so don't even think about it. <laughs> All right, you got them? Okay, good deal. The, red, the door has shut. Was that not definitive? <laughs> Uh, all right. Now, um, don't forget to pick up your children after, after the service. Um, after 15 minutes, they go on sale to the highest bidder. So make sure um, they'll, be, they'll be back in the uh, fellowship hall area. So hope you had a good afternoon. And I certainly did. We got to enjoy a meal with the Petersons, for which we're very thankful. Enjoyed some great, some sweet fellowship. And now looking forward to our time together here tonight. And here's what I love about weeks like this, Revival Week in particular, is, is that um, you may not notice it in the midst of it, but towards the end of our time together, Tuesday and Wednesday, if you, if you take notes or write down at least passages or thoughts the Lord puts on your heart throughout this week, you're going to be able to turn around and go, okay, this is... This is what the Lord has been doing in us and for us. Just, just so you know, not, not that it really matters all that much, but I don't, I, when we come into a revival week, I don't know ahead of time necessarily what it is that we're going to look at. On a daily basis, I just come to the Lord and say, Lord, what would, you, what, would you have us, what would you have us look at? What does this church need, and what do you want to do? In fact, usually I spend um, that's a couple hours before the service saying, Lord, these are your people, and I don't, I don't know what it is that they need, but you do, so please show me, direct me in regards to it. And of course, I have passages that I'm privileged to be able to preach on a regular basis. It's my favorite passages, and so God will often then direct my heart regarding what passage it is we're supposed to look at. And Nehemiah 8 is the passage tonight, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the Lord does as a result of that. Ah, let's see. Are there any other announcements? My wife is not here for me to ask. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, hey, um, choir. I did mention choir. I'm thankful for those who are part of choir. And if you were not able to be at the choir practice today, but if you'd like to join, there are still some room in, there's some room in the choir loft for you. If you'd like to join, then you're welcome to. If you're a part of the church, uh, First Baptist Church, Land Lakes, ages 15 on up, and you'd like to join, they'll meet a half an hour before each service. And so we'll, we'll fill up every available chair and um, add more in the front if we need to. You're welcome to be a part, and we'd love for you to be a part. So uh, come and join if you'd like to. If you have any questions about it, you can see Brother Andrew. 
you can talk to me, but I'll be making up an answer. So probably best to talk to Brother Andrew, and he'll be able to give you inf any information that you need. I mentioned this to the men last night when we met together, but if you're thinking to yourself, well, I'd like to sing in choir, but I don't read music really well, so I'm not sure if I should be a part of choir or not. I told the guys, it's not a problem. We sing by letter. You let her fly, and whatever comes out, we'll, we'll enjoy. Oh, that's almost true. So if, if you don't sing, that is, your mom told you you don't sound good, then probably that's not your gifting, and you should just stay in the congregation. But if your mom said you can sing, then you're welcome. <laughs> I'm sure you're welcome to be a part of a choir. Hey, and by the way, teenagers, young people, if you're age 15 on up and you enjoy singing, this is an opportunity. I don't know what the normal, um, what the normal rule is for the church, but in a revival we choir, it's a little bit different. So you'd be welcome to come and join, and I hope that, I hope that you will, all right? If you know somebody that sings and they weren't in choir, then afterwards go up with squinty eyes and say something like, why weren't you in choir? Or something like that that will, um, that will help to twist their arm and help them to be a part of it. Right? Okay, Nehemiah chapter number 8. We're going to look together at several verses here in Nehemiah. I, I enjoy um, reading through the book of Nehemiah, and I'm confident that most in this auditorium have either read through it in the past or else you've heard preaching through the book of Nehemiah. And I love a lot of things about it. And uh, Nehemiah 8 is kind of the center, the kingpin of the book of Nehemiah. This is a very special moment where God uses this man in a very special way. And we're going to read about um, what God did through him, beginning in verse number 1. We're, I'm going to read all the way down through verse number 9, at least the first part of it. And I'm letting you know that ahead of time because in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to stand if you're physically able, just to show public respect for the scriptures. But I want you to see how much we're reading so that if you're thinking, ah, I'm not sure I can make it that long, then uh, it's absolutely fine for you to remain seated. But if you are physically able to show public respect for the scriptures, would you mind standing with me as we look at Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says this, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake under Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. So real quickly, just to catch you, get you up to speed, we're in the middle of Jerusalem, and the walls have just been rebuilt around Jerusalem. And now all those who are God's people, that is the Israelites, that are still in the land, that are still in Jerusalem, this is what they're doing. They're gathering together at what's referred to as the water gate. And uh, they talk about bringing out the law of God. Verse 2, And Ezra, the priest brought the law before the congregation. Now, the congregation was made up both of men and women and all that could hear with understanding, that is, children that were old enough to get it. This was upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until the midday. It's a long service. This was before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood. When you hear pulpit, think platform, because that's what it means. Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood, and then the Bible mentions a number of men whose names I would massacre if I attempted to read them, but these were Levites that stood beside him up on this platform. Verse 5. 
And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people on that platform. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatai, Hadijah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Peleah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So, they read the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, that is, he's the governor, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, Hey, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And Father, tonight, as we take a few moments to look at this passage and to learn from what you did in their midst that day, I pray that you'd help me, please, to be clear and succinct. I pray, dear Father, that you would, by your Spirit, take the truth of your Word and that you would drive it into the hearts and minds of every person that's gathered together here tonight. And I pray that each of us individually, that each family, and that the First Baptist Church of Land Lakes family would react to what it is that you have given to them tonight as the people in Jerusalem did on this day. Be honored and glorified in our midst, O oh God. We bless your name and our hearts and our heads are bowed in worship of you, our great God, you are worthy. And all of this we bring before you in faith and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for standing. Please be seated. In the ministry that God has called me to do, I mentioned this morning that as an evangelist, God has called me to go around and to share with people the gospel, to let them know about what Christ has done on their behalf. His death, his burial, specifically his resurrection, all done to pay for our sins. He did it in our place so that we don't have to die and be separated from God, but rather we can be made right with God and have heaven as our home and a relationship with our Creator and God. Now, along with the message of the gospel, one of the things traditionally that evangelists like myself will preach are messages regarding revival not only for those who don't know yet Christ so that they can be evangelized, brought to Christ, but also for those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, that in our hearts would be stirred up again a walk and a love for God as God intends for us to have. So oftentimes we call meetings, like we are this week, revival meetings. Now more accurately, these could be called meetings where we're seeking God regarding revival. And if I were to stop right now and just ask, do a crowd survey of, hey, what is, what is revival? Well, there could be a number of different things that might be mentioned. 
That is, some of you may have an association with revival meetings that you might think of like, um, well, if you were a little bit older, then maybe you remember days when revival meetings were perhaps held in tents and they had chairs set up and there was sawdust on the aisle. We don't know why, but there was sawdust on the aisle and the choir was a little bit bigger and they sang a little bit louder and the congregational singing was a little bit greater and services would go late into the night or services would be extended for a, a week or a couple weeks and things are just just a little bit different. And some of you may have association like that from things either that you've seen yourself or else you've read about or you've seen other people portray that, oh, that's what revival is. And while all of those things are fine, at least everything except for the sawdust on the aisles, all of that is absolutely fine. None of those things individually are revival. I think, I think probably this group knows this, but just so that we're on the same page as we are seeking God regarding revival and because God has placed it on my heart to preach concerning revival, let me just tell you that revival is when God's people come back to God's way of living so that God then can enable them to do and be everything that he wants them to do and be. Revival is... Let me go from the opposite direction. God pouring out his grace, his enabling, as his people come back to him and his way of living. Now, I think it's probably a needed message in this hour. In fact, if I were to broaden our view out from church this evening and say, hey, do you think that America needs revival? Well, obviously, anybody who's thinking through it would go, well, yes, yes. And there's a sense in which revival is for the people of God so that America can't see revival because America is not God's people. I, I understand that. There's also a sense in which America needs a reviving of acknowledging that there is a God and that he, what he says is right and that we need him. So I, I understand both sides of this. But if I were to say that our churches need revival, then anyone who has any awareness at all would say, well, amen. Yes, Absolutely. We have young people who need to see and experience the power, the grace, the enabling of God on their lives. We have adults in this auditorium who you have at some measure at some time experienced the power of God on your life. But it may be that seated in this auditorium right now, there are people who have become a little bit complacent or you're a little bit cold and you can't even put your finger on the reason why. But you know in your heart of hearts, in your spirit, where the spirit of God dwells and at times stirs in your heart, you think to yourself, I wish it weren't this way. I wish my relationship with God was everything that he wanted it to be. I wish I experienced in a real way the power of God on my life. Yes, yes, I need revival. So that as someone where God has called me into this ministry and part of revival, when I read what we just read, when I read Nehemiah chapter 8, I cannot help but think to myself, I would love it if Nehemiah 8 were a regular occurrence in the services that I'm privileged to preach. So let me ask you, First Baptist, would you love it if Nehemiah 8 were the norm here? <laughs> well, when you gathered together 
there was an expectancy that the Spirit of God was going to stir in such a way that you just knew that if you could get lost people to come, God was going to speak to them. And if you could get people who were away from the Lord, if you could just get them to come back, you knew God would work because it's what God has been doing. It would be great to experience Nehemiah 8 services on a regular basis. Now, for what it's worth, I think probably First Baptist Church does, in measure, experience Nehemiah chapter 8. But I will tell you, in every service that I'm privileged to preach, this is what I ask God for. To stir in the hearts of the people to whom I'm privileged to preach. So when I read Nehemiah 8, I don't read it as a casual observer. I read Nehemiah 8 going, okay, I know there's a God in heaven. And I know that this God has recorded this for a reason. Nothing is by accident. And if he's put this in the scripture for me to learn from, then what is it I'm supposed to learn from this? In other words, what, what is it that God wants me to grasp, that he wants you to grasp so that we might experience what they experience? So here, here's the two options. Option number one, um, this is just a lightning strike moment, meaning... There was nothing in particular that led up to this, but God decided in a moment that he was going to move in these people at, at this time. And I will tell you, let me back up a little bit. Now stay with me all the way through this statement and understand what I mean by it. That God is the sovereign of revival in the sense that, now listen to me, it is God that must stir in our hearts. It's true that you can do a lot of things to try to um, emulate, imitate the moving of God. That is, people can work at emotionally pulling at people so that when they get done, they've been so excited in the service, they think, well, God met with us. But in reality, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't this. It was just emotionally up and down, and you end on an emotional high. That, that can happen. But we're talking about a Nehemiah chapter 8 service. We're talking about where God does a work to the degree in Nehemiah 8 where the men in charge had to say to the people, hey, stop weeping. There will be a time for that later on. But stop weeping right now is a day of rejoicing. Now the point of this is not that weeping is what, hey, if we're going to have Nehemiah 8 services, get your hankies out because you're going to need to start crying. That, that's not the point. The point is that their response to God, their coming to God brought them to a degree of understanding of, wow, we have missed it. We have not been doing right and we need God. And I feel pretty confident that I can say, First Baptist, we need God. You have organization. You have money. You have buildings. And you have ministry opportunities. We have services. But all is vain unless the Spirit 
of the Holy One comes down. We need God. Okay. So how did Nehemiah 8 happen? Was it the lightning strike? Or were, honestly, and this is not sermonizing. That is, this is not, oh wow, this looks really neat. Three points. That's not this. This is our church. Are there some things? Was there some preparation? Were there some decisions made and some disciplines had that brought these people to the point where Nehemiah 8, I'm going to use the word, was inevitable? That may be a little bit strong because we cannot force the hand of God, but was at least expected. And so I began to study around the passage because I wanted to know. Because if it's just a matter of lightning strike, then I'll come to God and I'll ask Him about it, but I have no expectancy. But if there are, honestly, honestly, if there are some things that First Baptist Church can do in order to expect Nehemiah chapter 8, where at least at times there is a special moving in the hearts of God's people, and there is some, some reviving that happens, and some grace poured out, and some power that's unexplainable through money or organization, it's only explainable by the hand of God working in the people of God. If that is possible, I want to know why. I want to know how. So I want to show to you what God showed to me as I began to study around this passage. The first thing I want to show to you is obvious. It's in the passage itself. Verse, verse number 8 of Nehemiah 8, where, where we read, we see what took place in the service. Look, look at verse number 8, would you please? The Bible says this. So they, that is all the men up on the platform, with great names. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Okay, look up here, would you please? Let me ask you a question. If you're going to use Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8 as a definition, if we're playing Jeopardy, and I give you the definition of Nehemiah 8, 8, what is the word that chapter 8, verse number 8 describes? You can look at it again. In fact, let, let me read it again. Verse 8 says, So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. What does that sound like to you? Yeah, that's what I would call it. Preaching. That is, that's what, that's what right preaching, Bible preaching is. Okay, so here's one of the things we learned. If you're going to have Nehemiah 8 services, then it has to, please, this is not, this is not flyover ground. This is not dead grass. This, this is important. If we're going to have Nehemiah 8 services, it involves the preaching of God's Word. And I mean the preaching of God's Word. What God says and what He intends when He says it. If we're going to experience what they experience, then it can only come when God's word is preached, when it is given. I thank God that I have confidence that Pastor Peterson is someone who explains to you what it is that the Bible says. But this is important. Let me, let me just tell you the reason why I'm taking just a moment to say this for, for a couple reasons. Num number one, because I don't want you to tire of the preaching of God's word. Tired to the degree that when you come in, your brain tunes out and you think, I've heard everything that there is to hear. What I want is for my spirit, my soul, my, my energy to come up as a result of something that's said. 
instead of coming in going, what it is that's being said, I need to hear. I don't want you to tire. I don't want you to tire to the degree where you're willing, ah, listen please, where you're willing to sacrifice in a church choice the preaching of God's word for a pseudo-service where excitement can be had, but the word of God is not. Energy can be elicited, but it is only the word of God that can change lives. And if we're going to have Nehemiah 8 services, get this as a part of your conscience in the deepest part of your soul. It must involve the preaching of God's word. Which means, pastor, or anybody who stands up here this week, myself, needs to give to you what it is that God says. But you know this. Preaching involves two parts. It's the giving, but it's also the receiving. So, let, hey, hey, hey. Let me encourage you. If you, First Baptist Church, if you want to experience Nehemiah chapter 8 services, and I know that you do. I know that you have people that you want to come to faith. I know that you want the power of God on your life. I know you don't want to just have a school with a lot of students, but not see them impacted for the cause of Christ. I know you need, and you know that you need, the power of God on you. I know that you know that, and that you desire that. Then it has to involve the preaching of the Word of God, which means... Your ears like their ears. Hey, this is the discipline part. Keep your ears and your heart attentive. Make choices to help your ears and your heart to be attentive. Be wise. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That is, Satan is not S-T-U-P-I-D. All the kids are gone. Satan is not without knowledge. He's not without understanding in regards to the power of the preaching of God's word. So he will do every, everything, everything, everything within his power to either eliminate or else degrade in your heart and mind the preaching of God's word. And if that means late Saturday nights, then that's what he'll do. If that means Sunday afternoons that are full of everything except for considering what it is you just heard preached, then that's what he'll do. Don't, don't think that the... Are you, are you still with me? Don't think that the devil, this is a lot of D's, devil is without device. Meaning, be aware of the things that have Satan's fingerprints on them. Where he uses things that in and of themselves may not be evil, but he uses them for a purpose that eliminates the eternal. Okay, now that's going to take some thought. A little prayer and consideration. But if you think on it just for a little bit. Okay, and if your heart says, but I like that a lot. That's not a reason not to consider is it as important as something that's in eternity. You understand what I mean by this? Okay, think, think through it. Think through it. So, 
Um, you want to have Nehemiah 8 services, you've got to have the preaching of the Word of God. It's got to be given. It's got to be received. Have ears, a heart that's attentive. When you come to services this week, when you come, now look, look any of us get tired. If your eyes are halfway closing, I, I get it. I understand. I've heard me. But, <laughs> but do your best, everything within your power, to have ears and a heart that's attentive and ready to receive. And if you need to make changes, make changes. Okay, look, I'm raising, I'm raising four boys right now. Well, Brittany and I are raising four boys. She's raising five. I'm raising four. Um, <laughs> do you know one of the things that we tell our boys on a regular basis? I actually heard this at a school. We say, do right, not easy. Do right, not easy. Hey, we make hard choices now so that we have the right end later. Okay. So church, hey, adults, do right, not easy. Think. Think through it. You want to have Nehemiah 8 services, you got to have the preaching of the Word of God. Hey, you want to have Nehemiah 8 services, and I'm going to have to move. we got to go through Nehemiah chapter 1. Real quickly, turn back, would you please? This is the beginning of the story of what we learn about how God used Nehemiah. And chapter 1, basically, find out, you may already know, that Nehemiah was himself a slave. He was a servant, a captive, who had been taken uh, by a foreign king, and he worked in the king's winter palace, a place called Shushan. His responsibility was he was the cup bearer for the king. So he was a food taster and tester, made sure it wasn't poison. He brought it to the king, and in his position, he was also a confidant of that foreign king. Artaxerxes was his name, and he, he would be an advisor to the king in the winter palace. So he, we find out in verse number two of chapter one that he has some visitors. Um, Hanani, one of my brethren, Nehemiah says, one of my brothers, he and certain men of Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews, how are the Jews that had escaped from that captivity, and how are things in Jerusalem? Verse three, and they said to me, the remnant that are left in captivity there in the province are in great affliction. Okay, help me, church. Is that good or bad? Yeah, yeah it is. And reproach. And his people wag their heads. <laughs> they mock. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. The gates thereof are burned with fire. Verse 4. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down... <laughs> And I wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now day and night and for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned and the rest of the chapter is a time of prayer that Nehemiah has before God where he comes to God and he says, God, we know we have sinned, but we need you. God, we're in trouble and we need you. And I will tell you that Nehemiah 8, please, please don't tune out on me. Nehemiah 8 never happens unless Nehemiah 1 takes place first. So let me ask you again, First Baptist. 
Do we need God? Do you have children and grandchildren? Nieces and nephews? Do you have neighbors and friends and family members who either don't know God at all or have left from following after God? Don't we need the power of God? Don't you want your children and your grandchildren to know what it is to experience the working of God in them and through them and to see God do things that cannot be explained by anything except for there is a God. Amen. We need Him. You look around today and if the picture that these men talked about with Jerusalem to Nehemiah, if that's not a picture of people's needs today where the walls are pushed over, the gates are burned with fire, where, where homes are being torn apart and lives are in disarray, where suicide is at an all-time high and divorce rate it's massive outside and inside the church. There is a need for the hand of God. We have sinned against Him and we need the working of God. Listen, for six months, for six months, Nehemiah prays and he begs and at times he fasts. And he comes to God and he says, God, please, you see our state. You see our need. Here's the problem. Sometimes because our pockets are full enough and our bellies are full enough. And we don't experience in a physical way what, what the people in Jerusalem did. We don't realize how much we need him. But those of you who have lived long enough and have gone through the heartache of seeing a child or a grandchild turn away from God and you don't know where they're going to spend eternity? <laughs> yeah, I would take ground that won't yield corn any day of the week over that. We need God. And we need Nehemiah 8 services. But Nehemiah 8 services don't come unless there's some people who are willing to go through Nehemiah chapter 1. Where we come to God and we say, God, we need, please, there is nothing we can do. There's no wisdom that I have. There's no power in my own body. There's nothing I can do. We need, we need you to do what only you can do. The God of the impossible. And unashamedly tonight, I ask God to put his finger on the lives and hearts of many who are in this room who will take on as their mission for as long as needed to become Nehemiah 1 Christians on behalf of First Baptist Church and the families and individuals that are represented in this church. Because we need God. Now let me tell you basically what happens, and, and our, our time is almost finished, so stay with me. What happens is this. Nehemiah still has a job to do because he's a slave. 
So even though he's mourning, he's, he's weeping, he's begging God, he's asking God to do what only God can do, he still has a responsibility. And the Bible tells us that one day he's fulfilling his responsibility. The king is there in the winter palace. He brings the food to the king, and the king says to him, hey, Nehemiah, you look sad. What's the deal? Now, real, real quick, time out, stop, note. If the guy who checks your food for poison is sad, you want to know the reason why. So this is legitimate. I understand this completely. Nehemiah What's wrong? What do you need? And Nehemiah says, well, look, um, back home, the, my people, they're in reproach. The gates are burned up and the walls are pushed over. Okay, I love this. I love, this is after six months of prayer. And the king says to his slave, the king says to his slave, what do you want? Okay, typically that's not what happens. That's backwards. The slave says to the king, what do you want? But in this case, the king says to the slave, what do you want? And the Bible says that Nehemiah prays to the Lord, and he says to the king, I need time off, I need a letter of safe passage, I need wood to rebuild the gates back home. And the king says, you got it, take off. All right. I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven who can open up doors that no man can shut. Amen. And there's a God, please, please hear this and believe it. Don't just amen it at a surface level. There's a God who is still able to change the heart's of the unrighteous, save them and give them the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Just as certainly as the Lord Jesus Christ can open the eyes of the blind and cause the lame to walk, to call the dead uh, back to life again, the Lord Jesus Christ can still, by His Spirit and through working through His Word, still do great and mighty things which we cannot understand. His arm is not shortened that He cannot save. His ear is not heavy that He cannot hear. There's still a God. So, Nehemiah takes the time. He goes back to Jerusalem. When he goes back to Jerusalem, I love this. There's a lot. There's a lot. Oh, short version. Um, Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem, and he says, he gathers all the men together in the city, and he says, look, okay, guys, here, let me tell you about the good hand of God on us. We're going to rebuild. We're going to rebuild this wall. And then the Bible says that the people had a mind to yeah, yeah, to do the work. So if you want to have Nehemiah 8 services, you have, you have to have the preaching of God's Word. You want to have Nehemiah 8 services, you've got to go through Nehemiah chapter 1. You have to have people who are giving themselves, giving themselves, not a one-time quick and done, giving themselves to being in prayer on behalf of the need that we have to the God who can do something about it. But if you want to have Nehemiah 8 services, then you've got to go through now Nehemiah chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. No worries, because it can all be summarized into one four-letter word that begins with W and ends with K. Anybody want to take a guess? All right, it's a word. And that is what happens. Now, um, Nehemiah, when he was rebuilding the walls, was there any opposition? Okay, Do you, does anybody remember the name of the two guys that caused the most problems? So, okay, Sandala and Tobiah, enter organ music. Blah, blah, blah. Here's Sandala and Tobiah. And, and they did. They mocked. Do we have any mockers? Isn't there, is there really a God? Seriously? Okay, they mocked. At, at first they wanted to join, but then when they couldn't, because you have no part in this, guys, then they made fun, they threatened, they did everything they could. And you want to know what Nehemiah did? When he had problems with those guys, he hired lawyers and he sued the pants off of the guy. No, it's not what he did. <laughs> and this is super instructive, church. Hey, brothers and sisters, this is instructive to all of us. What Nehemiah did 
when there was opposition to the work that God had opened up, as Nehemiah said, God, do you see these guys? They're causing problems. You've called me to do this. Will you take care of them, please? Now, the Bible says he put a sword on his side so he'd fight if he had to. But he, oh, this is instructive. He would not leave the, I'm going to use the word ministry, that God had called him to just to go out and take care of people that were pushing against. He said, God, you take care of it. This is what you've called me to do. And the people worked. Now, there was some opposition inside. This is the saddest part to me. Nehemiah said, there are some, to God, there are some nobles, there are some men in here who will not put their necks to the labor. God, remember them. But the people had a mind to work. You want to know, some, sometimes when it comes to revival, point one, the preaching of the word of God, amen. Prayer, oh, we need that. Preach on that some more, brother. Amen, amen. But did you know that sometimes, hmm, I think I can say always, when God hears our prayer, the answer to the prayer is a door of opportunity that opens for a ministering where His grace can pour out through us in this ministry to help those people for whom we're praying. And the time that the door opens is the time when it gets super practical of, hey, time to get your hands dirty. You said, Brother Tim, you're talking about laboring in prayer more, aren't you? No. No, we're talking about laboring in labor. That is, stepping forward and being involved in what it is that God has opened up the door. I'm confident there are already doors that have been opened for you all where there is ministry opportunity. Look, friends, get on the rope and pull. That is, to be, on, be on the team. Be a part. Well, Brother Tim, church is just a small part of my life. I have so many other things. <laughs> be careful about forgetting what matters in eternity. Now, obviously, not everybody in here can be on staff at First Baptist Church of Land O'Lakes. But everybody who's a part of the church is supposed to get on the rope and pull. And sometimes there's some weariness, but the way to watch out for weariness is to work together. And sometimes there could be some disagreements. That's not a problem. Pastor has all the wisdom on how to defuse all disagreements. <laughs> if there's any problems, come to him. He instantaneously. Now, I will teasingly tell people this oftentimes in churches, especially, especially when doors of opportunity, because if there are some of you who, who get serious with God and begin to beg God for his power and for opportunity and to be able to share the gospel and to be able to see his power work through you, then the doors of opportunity will open and you're going to be working together with a group of people who have different personalities. Some of you are organized. The rest of us are not. And sometimes... Those kind of things can clash and cause a work to come to stop. And so I tell, I tell people, in jest, kind of, mostly serious, 
hey, you're going to have to get over yourself. You're going to have to remember the reason for which you're doing what you're doing. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you think Nehemiah loved walls? You think his passion was wall builder? <laughs> no, seriously. Why did Nehemiah build a wall? Think for a second. Why was the wall built? Because they needed Nehemiah 8. They needed a place. They needed to be able to do what God had told them to do. The wall was a representation of their being a people belonging to God. And they needed God. And so the wall was built. Nehemiah wasn't in love with walls, but he wanted the people of God to get back to God. And in order for that to happen, there had to be a wall built. It was part of it. So don't forget the reason for which you're doing what you're doing. Jump in. Look, here, here's what I mean. If right now you're a part of First Baptist Church, that is you're an attendee or even a member of First Baptist Church, but you don't have any, uh, if you're not involved in any kind of outreach, you're not involved in inviting people, you're not involved in an official capacity with things going on here in the ministry, then it, at least ask God if he would have you be a part in some way. Be invested and involved in what God is doing and wants to do through this ministry, through this church. Be a part of the work that needs to be done. Why? <laughs> because we want to see Nehemiah 8 services. We want to see God work. Which means... The building has to be clean. The lights have to be on. There have to be people. There needs to be in the nursery. And there needs to be choir members. There needs to be all the things that happen. And there needs to be people who are out beating the bushes and inviting people and imploring people to come, 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 come here, come here, come. And we're involved in what it is that God has called us to do. I want to see God do something special. I want to see God do something special here. I want to see God do something special here this week. Here's what I know it requires, what is required. The preaching of the Word of God, you've got to go through Nehemiah chapter 1, and you've got to go through Nehemiah chapters 2 through 7, where we are involved in the work that God has opened up. So how about it? Do you want to see Nehemiah 8, church? Do you want to see God work in a special way? Okay. So then, here's the path. This is what God has said. Not me. This is not a sermonizing thing. This is not me coming up with, wow, look at this. It works out with what I'd like to say. It's not it. It's what's there. And I believe God gives it to us for a reason. Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to see in your word what it is uh, that is your characteristic and how you deal with your people. Lord, I pray that you'd please help to plant deep in our hearts this uh, truth, these truths. May it be founded on faith that you are a God who is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think.
And again, Father, I ask unashamedly that you would please place your finger on the hearts of many in this auditorium who would become Nehemiah chapter 1 people on behalf of this ministry. And then that you would use First Baptist Church of Land Lakes in such a way that it cannot be explained except for there is a God who is working through them. I ask this, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, it's time for our response time. That is, where you acknowledge and tell God regarding what it is that needs to happen or change in your life. Your ears have been attentive tonight, and for that I'm grateful. So let me ask you first this. I wonder if there are some tonight who would say by an uplifted hand, Brother Tim, I have lost the value in my heart and mind. I've lost the value and the importance of the preaching of God's Word. And I see tonight that that needs to be rekindled. I desire to hear from God, and I know that I need it. I want to hear it. I want to be changed by it. It's my decision tonight to think through and do right not easy when it comes to um, being prepared and attentive to the Word of God in my life. I haven't been, I haven't been as I ought to be, but I want tonight to be a turning point. If God's spoken to your heart about this, right where you sit, would you just slip up your hand and let me pray with you about it? Okay, a number of hands. God bless you. Good, and I hope you will think about it, pray through it, and consider how you can be connected with the preaching, your part of the preaching of the Word of God. Okay, secondly, I wonder how many tonight would say, Brother Tim, God's dealt in my heart about Nehemiah 1. We want to see God work here. I desire that God would do what only God can do. But I see how absolutely necessary it is for us, for me, to give myself to time and times of prayer and perhaps even some time of fasting where I'm asking God to do what only God can do. This is what I need and I know it. And you'd say by an uplifted hand, this is my decision and my commitment to give myself to time and times of prayer so that we might see God work in a special way. And if it's six weeks or six months before I feel like this is the answer, I'm, I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on asking on a regular basis. This is my decision, my commitment. If that's true for you, would you slip up your hand where you sit? This is my, would you just hold it up just for a moment? Just, let me just get one, two, three, four. Okay, so I think about 25 hands that may be added to people who are already involved in this. But I'm telling you, if 25 people will seriously come before God and begin to beg God, God is going to open up doors. God is going to open up doors. And then when he does, I wonder how many would say, either now or in the future, um, certainly I need to be involved in the work. I need to be involved in the work. And you'd say by an uplifted hand, this is my desire, this is my decision. I need to be involved in the work. I've not been. I've really not been. I've not jumped in and gotten on the rope and pulled. I've lived my life, and I've been thankful that I could come to a church, but as far as being involved in the ministry of this church, I've not been, and I need to be, and I see that. I want to see Nehemiah 8 services, and uh, if God will help me be involved in the work, that's what I want to do. Anybody like that at all? May I pray with you about it? Okay, several hands. God bless you. Great, great. 
May I encourage you not only to talk to the Lord about it, but I would encourage you to come see, so, come see someone on church staff and just say, hey, how can I jump in? How can I jump in? How can I help? How can I help pull? Would you look up this way? Again, thank you for your kind attention. Now, I went longer tonight than I intended to. It'll be the longest night, I'm pretty confident, of the week because we start a little bit earlier tonight. Um, but I think it would probably be counterproductive for us to leave without taking a moment just to seal before God regarding what it is he's shown you and what you've made a decision concerning. So, before we're dismissed, may I just pray on our behalf one time, quickly, briefly, and then Brittany will play through a song on the piano. When she pray, plays, if God has dealt in your heart, you raise the hand, then this would be the time to do business with God. Talk to God. Be honest. Be thorough. Talk to God. And nail down regarding the choice, regarding the decision that you've made. And then let's step forward and do right, not easy. Father, hear the prayers of your children as they come before you now. Father, hear and answer speedily. We desire to see your hand at work. Hear our prayer, please, in the name of Jesus. As Brittany begins to play, God dealt in your heart. Do business with God, won't you? So, Father, our lives belong to you. We are your people. Use us as you will. We request that you would allow us to be used so that others may know that you are God. Please, Father, open up doors of opportunity. Allow us to see this area one to you, brought to you. May we see loved ones come back to you, lost loved ones come to faith, in Christ, use us, Father, please. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask. Amen.